Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Up listeners. Uh, I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrati, two of my colleagues and friends from Tabana Organizations. Um, every time we sit together, we talk about current events and also some psychological issues and many different topics that we bring to our show. Today, Dr. Rockers is going to start because he was sharing with us that he read an article in New York Times about a person who was going through the terminal stage of life and uh, bucket list. So I want to ask Dr. Daniel Rockers to start the show. I'll start by asking a question and putting you on the spot, Saide. How about that? <laughs> I know yeah, you yeah. don't. It's the one thing you don't want me to do. This article is from the New York Times, August 29th of this year, 2021. The title of it was Why I'm Not Making a Bucket List. And it's written by Kate Bowler, who is an associate professor at Duke Divinity School. At age 35, she writes, doctors told her she had stage four colon cancer and a slim chance of survival. That's the second paragraph in her article. So it's interesting what she says, and I'll just read a quick piece from that. She says, my precarious diagnosis triggers a series of mental health assessments at the cancer clinic during, there's our assessments from yesterday, right? Yeah. <laughs> my precarious diagnosis triggers a series of mental health assessments at the cancer clinic during which lovely and well-meaning counselors, all seemingly named Caitlin are telling me to quote, find my meaning. They wonder if I should consider making a quote bucket list as many other patients have found the process to be clarifying. So to start off this, then what do you think a bucket list, what's the purpose of a bucket list? What do you guys think the purpose? Why would you? What's why are why are Caitlin's telling? This yeah, woman? Caitlin's around the world. Yeah. The Caitlin's. That's a. I think that's a little bit of a slap at the mental health counselors myself, but I think she's got some latitude to do it. Right? She's thirty-five and she's facing a very difficult diagnosis. I think I would not be very, very easy to get along with at that point. People say, "Oh, find your meaning." I think that's tricky because it's, yeah, it, you're, you're being told at a point in your life where you don't envision having to think of the end of your life and they immediately go to make meaning out of it, where I can see a person really struggling with just what that means and, and the loss of that anticipated life that was going to be led. And so I think, I think of a bucket list as something that as you're living your life kind of typically you're, you're kind of putting things out there that you want to eventually achieve. I think a bucket list in that type of situation could probably be tricky. It's like, not only accept that you're going to die at uh, maybe midway through what you even thought you were going to make me that, that, that almost is offensive. Make meaning of it. Like, okay, it didn't have meaning before now make meaning of it. And think uh -huh. of all these little travel things you want to do. Like I could see, and I'd be interested to hear more from this individual, but I could see how, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to make a bucket list. I'd be like, forget your bucket list, you know? And so, um, yeah, just based on what you shared so far, you know, I, I could see why somebody wouldn't 
be so open to making a bucket list. Although I do think a bucket list in general, in regards to those things you want to achieve in your life and strive for in a way that's meant to be like fun and enjoyable and kind of, you know, exploring parts of yourself and part of the world maybe can be a positive thing. I'm, I'm hearing this is maybe different than what, um, this, uh, this author experienced. Uh, yeah. Well, with this question, then I realized that my heart is beating hard. I have palpitation. (laughs) I mean, honestly, thinking all of a sudden of, you know, telling you, you have this many months to live. It's really a tough place to be. So honestly, as you guys were talking, I was just thinking how difficult it is. But then on the other hand, I thought, uh, you know, you just want to suck out all marrow of life. And I was just thinking, maybe unshamedfully or ashamedly, you are outwardly weird as we are inside. You know what I mean? Because you don't have anything to lose anymore. You're losing you and life, you know, you're losing your life. So, you know, it's, it's the part that probably loving without fear of judgment and, uh, and uh, abandonment of future. I mean, it's just your life. And it's, um, I think it's really something very deep. Well, it's interesting you bring up that quote, because here's another uh, small, small paragraph from her article. She said, a bucket list disguises a dark question as a challenge. What do you want to do before you die? We all want, in the words of Henry David Thoreau, quote, to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life, end quote. But is the answer to that desire a set of experiences? That's what she asks. And then she goes on. This is interesting. Should we really focus on how many moments we collect? Is it really about the experiences? Just I check this box and check this box. Because a lot of people do this on vacations, right? Vacation is for many people, not a place and a way just to relax and recollect, but it's like, how many boxes can I check? I saw this, let's go do this, let's do that, do that, that sort of thing. Should our lives be that? Or how much should our lives be? What's your take? I assume you're asking Zayde because I know she likes to be asked questions directly. <laughs> I was trying to look right at her to see if maybe she could get that. Okay, repeat <laughs> your question. Repeat your question, Dan. Because <laughs> I was uh, still thinking of the last moment of life for myself. I wasn't listening to you. Sorry. Well, that's what you're doing. You're checking the boxes right there of the, your life. I'm, right. There. I'm just, yeah, I'm just putting the list. I'll, I'll answer the question then. Uh, so All that right. way you can get the gist of it. Yeah. I think it's, it's out of habit that we do that. We think of the things that we need to do throughout the day. And so we check all these boxes. Okay. I did this. I did that. I did that. And so what happens is that translates into vacation too. We think, oh, okay, I'm going to go vacation. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. And so it can be one of those things to learn that it's not just about setting these things out in front of us and just checking them off. And they're supposed to bring us joy. But I think trying to experience joy in each of those moments. And I think that's hard because we're focused on what we need to do next and what else has to happen versus really being present and involved in the things that we are each moment. 
I want to go back to, I think we have had this conversation once, and I remember I said it at the time, and I say it again. Uh, there's always a saying in our culture that says, live in a way that this is your first day of life, so you are motivated, you want to achieve, you want to do different things, and you want to be up and moving. And then also, at the same time, think every day is your last day of, of life. So, you know, it's really interesting to have this combination of, of thinking, because when you think deeper in that, you know, you still have motivation, you still want to live, you still want to have energy for life. But on the other hand, you put the grudges away, you really want to show love to people you do love, you want to see people that you love to see, you want to be real, you want to share your true self. So combination of the two that brings it to my life is vacation part of that. It could be, you know, but I mean, it's not the major part of life. For me, thinking about that, I probably want to be around people that I truly love and want to see they're, they're deeper in understanding when we have a conversation and, and things like that. So um, I would say if we do live that way, which is not easy, probably every single day we do have that bucket list and be apply it into our day-to-day -day life. All right. So I'm going to switch a direction just a bit, but staying on the bucket list thing. When I was younger, I probably in my 20s. Last week. Yeah. Thank you. I, you know, as that. I said that, I thought, I was oh, there's a joke there somewhere. And I forgot what it was and I was trying to remember it. So thank you for jumping in. But I think the timing went a little bad on that. And missed, missed <laughs> There'll anything. be other opportunities, probably. Right, exactly. Anyway, in my 20s, I'll say, I made a list of things I wanted to accomplish in my lifetime. And my question for you is that, have you made, and I guess that's a bucket list, right? It's just a list of what do I want to do in my life. Have you made a list during your lifetime? And did you find it helpful? Good question. You know, I remember when I started my career here um, as a teacher, we had the Stephen Covey um, training, which was the seven um, in seven different modules, seven, seven um, habits, seven habits, but it was uh, broken down into different modules. And I remember in one of the modules, we had activities and they give you a journal that you have to, you sort of do your homework and you write things. And one of the modules I remember, it was um, about the, the bucket list. And at that time, I wrote down whatever it was in my bucket list. And it was very interesting. This is the second part of my life that this has happened. Once was when my younger son was in first grade. And the teacher actually made them to have an interview with their parents. So my son came to me and asked all these questions. Where do you want to be like 20 years from now, five years from now? I mean, it was a different type of questions, very deep questions. And my son was only in first grade. And I remember as going through these questions, I was 
talking about where I want to be, what I want to do. What was the purpose for that teacher? I don't know. And I didn't question, but I was, um, you know, answering um, very um, honestly and thinking about the future. And then this was the second part of my life. And it was here when we were doing the training. And the interesting part was when I was cleaning up this stuff, um, couple of years ago, I ran into that journal that I had written and, and I was reading and it was very aha moments that how, you know, I was responding at that time and what I was thinking at that time. And then also going back to the questions that my son asked me, I remember some of these questions and how I answered. And it was very interesting. This happened within like maybe 20 years of each and um, very, very, you know, um, thought provoking for me was going back to those lists. Did you have any particular realization from that, though? I mean, was I it did. like. And I realized, uh, you know, even though I am sort of easygoing in life, how determined I was in everything I wanted to get to how determined I was. And um, it was interesting that if I wanted to check mark those things, I would say I had accomplished them. And it was very interesting. And I thought, that is so interesting. I never thought, you know, um, in general, when you see me or you talk to me, I'm that determined of things I want to do or things that I want to happen. But but it was very interesting for me that uh, everything I wanted to happen or do uh, without even going back to it and checking the list, I was actually applying them and I was doing them. So it seems like it was really real from inside. And I was just writing down whatever truly I wanted. And it was from, it wasn't from, maybe wisdom too, because sometimes you don't realize which one is, and it could be both wisdom and, you know, intuition or whatever. But um, it was, it was very interesting that if I wanted to check Mark, I almost wanted to say I had accomplished all of them. Alex, what about you? Yeah, my answer is no. <laughs> Excellent move. No. Well played. I've maybe not I have not written a bucket list. Uh, no. Maybe, just maybe, we're going to come back to you after we take a break. Be afraid of the way Dan looks at you and asks questions. Be ready for that. It's a show and everybody's listening to you. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I, oh, I, Alex is ready, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. Game so on. Every time, every time Dan starts asking questions and especially name who needs to answer this, my heart just starts beating and I go, oh my gosh, I hope. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's ammunition for him. Now he's going to do it. See, if you act like it doesn't matter, then he's like, okay, yeah, it doesn't bother me. But yeah. if you're like, wait, you induce fear in me, Daniel. He feeds off fear. So, <laughs> I'm going to say no from now on like you, Alex. <laughs> Well, now we know what Alex just did. Now we know Alex was just covering some fear then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're getting to our first break. We come back and continue our conversation. I'm going to say some words in Farsi. Shanavandigana Aziz Radio Bamdad. 
من به همراه دوستان و همکارانم دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندراد امروز در خدمتون هستیم من سعیده ملک افزلی هستم و ما روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر در مورد موضوعات روانشناسی صحبت میکنیم یا مسائل فرهنگی و مسائل روز ما خواهش میکنیم از شما اگر صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین اگر کسانی هستن در منزل که از برنامه ما استفاده میکنن و زبان انگلیسی رو ترجیح میدن برای صحبت های روانشناسی ازشون دعوت کنیم به برنامه ما روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه از ساعت دوازده تا یک بعد از ظهر از رادیو بامدا توجه کنن زمنان پادکست های ما رو تحت عنوان Culture and Psychology میتونین از گوگل یا از آیتون با تایتل های مختلفی که ما تا حالا 120 خورده ای صحبت داشتیم روی تایتل های مختلف میتونین سرچ کنیم و بر اساس تایتلی که میخواین به صحبت های ما گوش بدین برمیگردیم و ادامه صحبتمون رو راجع به اتفاقی که در برای یک شخصی افتاده بود و در نیویورک تایمز مصاحبه باش کرده بودند این شخص یک ترمینال دیزیز در مراحل آخر زندگیش هست و سی و خورده ای سال بیشتر نداره و صحبت هایی که میکنه ما به صلاح مطرح کردیم براجبه صحبت کردیم برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم We're back with Dr. Alexandradi and Dr. Daniel Rockers, and we continue our conversation regarding the article Dr. Rockers brought forth uh, in regards to a young person in uh, his, her 30s that was um, asked to create her bucket, bucket list. And um, I want to uh, turn the mic to Dr. Rockers to continue with questioning us. <laughs> questioning us. Thank you for not saying interrogating us. Sort of, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that probably though, right? Exactly. Thank you for anticipating, Alex. Alex, did you really not have any, have you not made a bucket list ever or a list of things you wanted to do in your lifetime, like before you die? Uh, no, actually I haven't. Yeah, no, I uh, haven't thought of, I, I haven't written anything down. There's been ideas that I've had of things that I want to do. Um But I feel like it, it also changes too. I feel like as I've accomplished some things in my life, there have been other things that have kind of been at the forefront. And uh, interestingly, I find myself at a, uh, I don't want to say crossroads, but uh, yeah, when you, I think as you start to achieve, uh, you know, some of those career 
uh, and work successes, then it opens up into, okay, well, what's next or what now? And I think I've, I've worked with a lot of individuals and I always say too, our, our, I think our work echoes things that we're going through maybe in our own life. Sometimes I'm working with a lot of individuals around my age who are asking that question, like what's, what's next for me. And so uh, it's something that, you know, I think about from time to time, and especially as I feel like I've accomplished some things. So, you know, you, as you said, Saide, uh, I, I also think I'm pretty ambitious. So I think as I've accomplished things, I'm asking myself, oh, what's next? Or what else am I looking forward to? Um, so I think that's a, a kind of common theme for people who are very driven. It's like, okay, I've, I've, I've completed and, and achieved some things. Um, what are those other things that I've been wanting to to work towards? But I haven't written it down, or I don't think I approach it as like this has to happen before I die. Um, as far as you know, those things that I want to do, I I just hope they happen one day. I, I feel like I hope they happen one day. If they don't happen, I guess that's the other thing too. I wonder about a bucket list. It's like, is there like something that you feel you miss out on if those things don't happen? Uh, if you don't Some- accomplish those things. Some people, I've had clients, some clients say they don't set goals because they don't want to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So if one takes that stance, I could see that for sure. I think here's the question also for you, Side A, just kidding. No, (laughs) I said no. (laughs) No, Oh, very good. No, I'm going to go on to another piece. Maybe it's more than just having checking some boxes. And there's another paragraph she writes in the article. She said, a few years ago, the father of one of my divinity students discovered that he was in the last months of life. Much to everyone's astonishment, his father didn't have a wish list. In fact, his father didn't wish for anything at all, not a trip, not a meal. He sat contentedly in his overstuffed recliner in the living room, humming about how much he loved his family. Mm. so it's a little bit different that's a little bit different take than i want to check this box i want to jump out of an airplane i want to do that and so on and so forth it's moving a little towards a different realm one of having experiences and i think that it's easy to confuse checking box of this that and that with having one's internal experience of what it really feels like to go through this, that, and that. It's easy on vacation to, I want to see the Eiffel Tower. I want to go to the Louvre. I want to do this. And we do all that stuff. But while we're doing that stuff, while I'm at the Eiffel Tower, I'm thinking, boy, how are we going to get to the Louvre in time? And so instead of seeing the Eiffel Tower, I'm just thinking about, and in my head, seeing how are we ever going to get to the Louvre in time? Um. For me, um, I want to go back to um, what I said about the list and stuff. You know, sometimes you're at at age, like Alex, for example, you have a really long future in front of you. So you may have a list to accomplish. But I'm just saying at the time I did those lists, I had a lot in my life I wanted to do, but you get to a part of your life that you pretty much have accomplished things that was in regard to your profession, things that you wanted um, in regard to your career um, and all of that. Um, And then um, it's more like now it's emotions. I think that is the part that your emotions comes up. 
and and that's the time I told you that you want to really do what you really want to do or say what you want to say. You want to be around people you love. You want to be around people you feel like they can listen to you, understand you, and you can have a deep conversation. And it's just so different when you get to that part of your thinking and life. And when you are healthy and young and you still have a long future in front of you, it's completely different. I think you get to a point that there's no checklist like that. There is what is truly inside of you that you haven't said, you haven't expressed, you haven't showed emotions that, um, you know, you maybe sometimes you kept inside, but there's no shame, there's no worry, there's no fear of anything, because you don't have anything to fear about, you're just having a short time to live. Alex, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a lot. Sorry, that's heavy in a way of, um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's something you aspire to, to get to that point where you can say you've achieved a lot of those things. And that's what you're focusing on next is like feeling good and feeling meaning and feeling purposeful. And again, I think that's a lot, something a lot of people are striving for. I know for, for myself for a long time, my focus was getting through grad school, establishing my career and moving to California. And like that, that was like the focus that was the drive and so I think now in the, in the last few years that I've been here, I've really been focused on this idea of like enjoying and being present in that way. And sometimes to a fault, which I mean, uh, maybe I'll have an extra drink or so, or, you know, I'll stay out a little bit later uh, than I should, um, not should, but think I should in that way. But then I find like, yeah, I want to connect. I try to say yes to more things. I try to really um, kind of bask in those interactions and those experiences. I'm really, I find myself more open to meeting new people and connecting. I'll, I'll take a little bit more risk in that way. I'll be like, Hey, like I've seen you around. I just want to say, hi, like my name's Alex, you know? And so it's just like, why not? Why not? And so I, I think along those lines, it's, it's about, I think those emotional experiences and those emotional connections, um, that can be really, um, really important right now. So yeah, I, I, I would agree with you, Sade. I think it's a good place to be, Alex. When you get to that point that you don't want to impress anybody, you want to just, <laughs> no, seriously, isn't that true? No, no, I say it all the time. I say, you, you can't yeah. embarrass me. Like you can't embarrass yeah. me. Nobody can embarrass me anymore. I'm like, you can try, but like, yeah. I don't really care that much. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you put your feet strongly down. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a good place to be. You sort of feel like, you know, I know what I want and I know who I am and I'm not trying to impress anybody, you know? So I just say what I feel. I mean, of course you're, you consider all the factors as a conscious person, but when it comes to you, as you said, Alex, you know, you feel like, yeah, say what you want to say. You don't embarrass me. I have confidence enough to be able to handle this, you know? So we all come from different backgrounds, whoever we are, wherever we are in the world, wherever we are in life, that we have um, passed through so many stages of life and experiences. You know, you are at a point that you have carried all this with you. So at one point, you hopefully 
had put all this behind you and had become a real you, you know, and at that point, if you are real, you don't wait for the last moment of your life to show love, to say what you want to say. You know, you, of course, as I said, in a way you consider all different factors. So, um, you know, you're not bluntly say what you want to say, but at least, you know, you, you're conscious, but you communicate in a way that you're showing your emotions in some ways, you're showing your um, thinking some ways, you're showing your real you. Um, so you're not waiting for that last moments of life. And uh, let me ask a question. Daniel, do you have a question for Saide? I have one right now. The question here is, thank you. I love that. That That's such a great question, Alex. Saide, what is the real purpose of having a bucket list? We can talk about it and (laughs) sort of like, oh yeah, bucket list this, bucket list that. But if we stop and think about it, what is the real purpose of it? Why would we have that? Uh, Well, Do you have a bucket list, Dan? (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. A return question is excellent if you don't know the answer. Well, I asked that question because I'm thinking of that as usually we make a list so we don't forget, right? I make a shopping list. I don't forget to get this or that when I'm at the store or during my day. I want to make sure I make these phone calls. I got to do this, got to get that done type of thing. Is that the reason why we would make a a list of things that want to get done in my life? I mean, so what? Don't I already know these things? Mm -hmm. That goes to a question I had for you, Daniel. It kind of relates to this too, given that you've read the whole article and this might be jumping to the end faster than we need to. But I guess I was wondering and I wanted to ask you, should we have a bucket list? Is it something we should have? Am I off because I don't have one? Um, What do you think? Well, I can... My own thoughts are this, and let me wait before I get to my own thoughts. She wraps up the article by saying, what a strange math. And that's the, her beginning of the article says, I wish someone had told me that the end of life is a mathematical equation. Mm -hmm. And she goes through that whole article and then says, well, what a strange math. There is nothing like the tally of a life. All of our accomplishments, ridiculous. All of our striving, unnecessary. Our lives are unfinished and unfinishable. We do too much, never enough, and are done before we've even started. We can only pause for a minute, clutching our to-do lists at the precipice of another bounded day. The ache for more, the desire for life itself, is the hardest truth of all. So I think her thinking in there, what I got of the thesis from that article is that the bucket list is more of an academic exercise or an exercise or something like that, that she didn't really need it. I got the sense like she didn't really care for those bucket lists. I think the bucket lists are fine. I made one when I was in my twenties and I can think back to, I can't remember most of the things on there, but I think back and this is something that side A said, they change necessarily they're going to change. One of my items on my list was to get a pilot's license and fly an airplane. Well, I got one lesson in on that and I got 
type one diabetes and type one diabetes shuts that out right away. You can't get a pilot's license. So necessarily some things in one's bucket list are gonna change. Plus, if you think about it, the things that I wanna do and how I know the world at age 16 is a lot different than how I know it at 46. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of difference in that. And the things that would have been important to me at age 16 I'm probably not going to be all the same things at 46 or 56 or 66. Absolutely. Yeah. Those things will change. Should we what go for a break? Yeah. I mean, what a great topic, Dan. We're going to have another break and come back to finalize our conversation. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد من سعیده ملک افسلی به همراه دوتن از همکارانم دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندرادی در خدمتون هستیم روزهای شنبه و یه شنبه صحبت های ما امروز در مورد این بود که یک مقاله در نیویورک تایمز نوشته شده بود در مورد یک زن جوانی که ترمینال بود و ازش پرسته بودن که یک مثلا لیستی داشته باشه از کارهایی که میخواد بکنه و در حقیقت در پایان زندگیش بود ما راجع به این صحبت کردیم تا کنون یک بریک کوتاه میدیم برمیگردیم و صحبت های نهاییمون رو به پایان میرسونیم with Dr. Alexandradi and Dr. Daniel Rockers and we um, finalize our conversation about the bucket list and sort of end of life things we want to do or before end of life. Are we finalizing here or do we have time for some No, we questions? have some time, yeah. Okay, uh, so I have questions for you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're very quick on that. <laughs> What, let's say that you are talking with somebody who is facing end of life, but not immediately. Let's say they've got one to two years left. What kinds of things would you suggest they have on their list? Well, I would say each person's life and experiences and desire is different. So I would ask them, what do they want, you know, and, and you know, suggesting is basically um, sort of um, changing their mindset to where you want it to direct them. So I would just ask them, what is it that they want to do? What are things that um, brings life back in a more positive way? And um, I would 
always tell people that nothing is written on the stone. So two years may change to six years, to 10 years, may change to a completely different um, number of years that um, they've been told because we have heard and seen so many miracles in life, so many changes that has happened in the, uh, you know, final decisions of doctors or health issues. So I would just give a lot of encouragement, a lot of positive notes on life and also ask questions from them. What do they want? I'd be interested too in, uh, in what constructing a bucket list entails. Uh, when I talk with individuals about any kind of list, I usually encourage that it doesn't have to be extremely comprehensive because then it can be overwhelming. I mean, I can see a bucket list being this thing of like every single thing we ever wish to do. And that can be just so daunting. And so it can feel like there's not enough time and maybe one lifetime to do all of those things. And so in thinking of, you know, how would I approach somebody knowing they have a couple of years, I would say kind of focusing just on a handful of things, maybe five things that really kind of feel as though they're needing to, 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 to address or to, to, to explore with the idea of like, what is it going to give them now? Not what is it going to look like to say that they did that or that they can tell others even, um, but more of like, what are they envisioning that is going to give to them? And maybe it's not even something too, that has to be big. It's something that we can do in some small way in our everyday life. Um, we think of, I think end of life is it has to be like monumental almost where like you, you give the example, Daniel, of somebody just sitting with their family. I mean, I think if, you know, I was, you know, had, you know, years left of my life, probably the people I'd want to be around most would be my family. And so, you know, and not like we need to go skiing or we need to go, you know, to the beach. And it's like, no, we just need to be around each other. And uh, that's one of the things that, like I was saying earlier, and being back here in California now and having been away from my family for over 10 years, you know, it's the little things that I bask in most. It's being able to go over and, you know, my mom will call me over for breakfast and, you know, it's like, hey, I made food, come by. Like, you know, those little experiences and exchanges that, that really I try to like hold on to and be like, this is what, this is what it means to, to be connected. Mm-hmm. What about the idea? Let's talk a little bit about the idea of negative emotion and the experience of negative emotions. I've mentioned before, I had a friend who had broken up with his girlfriend. He had moved to Southern California. While he was in Southern California, his girlfriend started dating somebody else. And then he was visiting back and stopped by her place. And the boyfriend was had come up driven up outside and was outside and they were like what to do and he says well invite him in bring him in and i said well why and i think they were talking about getting back together or something like that and i said i said why would you ever say that and he said and i think i've told you this before he says i wanted to feel all the feelings Mm. so it was all that you know, the anxiety, embarrassment or whatever would come up in there, what sort of things would come up there. My thinking is that he was on to something there. He was able to somehow feel those feelings and work with those feelings. I've heard uh, Amir talk about it as uh, emotion surfing, I think, 
What do you think of that? Do you think it's important for people as they are approaching end of life to have an openness to the negative, what we'll call negative emotions? How important is that if it is important at all? Uh, very interesting and deep question, Dan. And even, um, even before you ask this question, I was just thinking about it because I was just thinking, even if you are around people you love, there's so much in your head that if you don't share, you partly are keeping it in and not being yourself. But then if you start sharing, some negative emotions may come out, you know, but do you also share those negative emotions or do you walk through those negative emotions internally? Um, a lot stuff is going to go on at that point, you know, um, you know, even if you're around people you love, are you, um, you know, depressed? Are you, you know, all these negative emotions are really coming out? Um, what are you doing to people that you love and they're around you? You know, I mean, all these are going to show up and how are you going to really deal with all of this is a question. Yeah. What do you do with those emotions? What do you do with that stuff? I guess it's tricky too. You know, I'm thinking of the actor, uh, Chadwick Boseman. He played uh, Black Panther, um, African-American male. He passed away not too long ago. He had uh, cancer. And one of the things that was interesting about his illness is he didn't really share it publicly. And so he was going through, you know, terminal cancer and didn't share it. And so it was kind of a big surprise to a lot of people when he did pass away, um, people who had worked with them and knew him. Um, and he didn't disclose that. And I, I wonder one, like how, you know, how determined do you have to be in that? And, and it, it almost, it, it reminds me of this conversation because if you're telling everybody that you're terminally ill, are they not going to have those moments with you? Are they going to focus on the illness and trying to comfort you and trying to soothe you? or say the right thing versus just being with you in the way that they are. And so I think it is, it's powerful. I think that, you know, to share that news with others so that people can engage thoughtfully and intentionally. But again, I think it speaks to the, the, the emphasis of shouldn't we be doing that anyway? Shouldn't we just be connecting in the way that we can, um, whether somebody's dying or not, or whether we know we have, you know, time to do all these things. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's a hard question in that way. I think for myself, I would not, if I was had terminal cancer, what I would not want somebody to say is to try to cheer me up or tell me to have hope or stay positive, stuff like that. That would be annoying to me, probably irritating even. It's like, no, no. what's that uh, movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he says, stop trying to cheer me up. It's with, he's with Jamie Lee Curtis. He's a spy. Oh, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. I know what movie you're talking about. Anyway, yeah, the know. thing I wouldn't want is I wouldn't want somebody to cheer me up. I would want somebody to accompany me on that part of the journey. But I don't think I'd want somebody cheer, trying to cheer me up there. I think people don't know what to say, though. People don't know what to do. So they want to <laughs> cheer you up. They want to be like, are you OK? How are you doing? You know, what's going on? Think about, you know, good things, you know, and, all you know, 
more is waiting for you in the afterlife. I mean, I, I hear patients who are going through grief telling me all the annoying things that people say to them sometimes uh, uh, after losing a loved one and, you know, or when they're ill. And uh, yeah, it's like almost work to interact with other people because people don't know what to say or what to do. But it's coming from a place sometimes of trying to comfort and soothe you. I, I could see... I could see you, Daniel, being comforted by, do you have any more questions for Side A? I mean, so that's what I, that's what I'll ask you, you know, would, if that ever comes to pass, you know, <laughs> that will make you happy. Generating questions. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to go back to what you said, you know, again, sometimes I'm just thinking when you are so sincere and you love someone who is at that point of life, you want to also share your emotions. You know what I mean? So you want to maybe even cry with that person. You want to talk about your hope for that person. So it's just all depends of your relationship with that person. If someone who is from distance with you comes to you and starts giving you all these positive things and wants to cheer you up, I agree. You don't want to hear. Same as if you're making a decision in life, that maybe it's a difficult decisions. Um, it's decision about, let's say, breaking up, or you have already broke up with someone, you're um, into divorcing someone. I mean, all of that, when people jump in, and they try to support you in a not good way, it just triggers you negatively. It's just all about reality and what the relationship is with that person. You know, if you're talking to your patient, it's a different scenario because that person is there to share their inner thoughts and then you have a different conversation. But if you are sharing something, you know, with someone who is not that close to you, like a real loved one's family member or someone that, um, you know, just has tremendous emotion and love for you. It's a different communication, I think. I have this exercise that I have been doing for some months that I just kind of created in my own mind. You know how like the, at the end of life or we hear about near-death experiences where people imagine they're going through a tunnel or they're once they pass and they're traveling on. And I tried this out the first time a few months ago when I was riding my bicycle and I thought like, well, what, when I pass and let's say I'm heading through that transition tunnel or whatever it is, I'm moving on to the next, wherever we go. And I believe there is somewhere where we go. I would probably in those times be reflecting on what things I had seen or experienced through the day. So as I was riding my bike, I tried to imagine would I remember this, like this pebble on the roadway? Or would I remember this tree? Or would I remember that person who walked or that hat that I saw or this house? And when I started doing that, it was very interesting, my experience of all of these things that I passed as I was riding on my bicycle. It really changed in a qualitative way how it would be. What sorts of things do you think you might recall on your transition? If you think it's a morbid question, you can just say. I would, I would probably, the first thing is, 
you know, is Dan going to ask me question during that path? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be fearful. There's going to be questions. I better Am say I going to no. be as nervous again about those questions or do I care as much? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, thank God I'm past those stupid questions now. <laughs> no, seriously, no, back to what you said, because... I, you know, people always say there's a purpose in life and people you meet during your lifetime. And, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, so if there is, um, you know, continuation of this path, how are going to be all this relationship? How are they going to, you know, work out um, on the other part of the path? You know, sometimes that comes to your mind as, you know, uh, especially you hear that all the time, that there's a purpose in meeting people along the way in this path of life. And then what, what is those purpose, um, you know, in continuation of the path? Uh, many times that comes to my mind, um, you know, because we know the connection here. Um, we, um, I mean, just to add to that, um, I met someone through some very weird situation. I called to purchase a ticket um, for a show. And then uh, as I'm leaving a message and giving my information and my phone number from the other side of the phone, somebody jumps on the phone and says, oh, do you know so-and-so with this last name, same as mine? And I said, this is my brother. And then she starts telling me uh, how she knows my brother and all of that. And now she's a singer. So she says, when you come to my show, make sure you come to backstage. I want to see you because I, I know your brother through this and that. So anyways, I did that. And from that point on, the singer and I had a communication and she was getting her master's degree while she's a pretty famous singer in Iranian community. So I um, said, what is your master's thesis on? And she explained to me and I said, oh, I have a lot of information on um, this that you can connect with what you want to do. And just let me know whatever you need. I can send you on your way because I have this much resources and information I would love to share with you. So she emailed me and I sent whatever I had. And then um, we sort of just here and there on Facebook or sometimes email, we said hello to each other and that was it. But then recently she texted me and she says, I want to uh, meet you. I'm in Sacramento on this date and I definitely want to have a coffee with you. So I said, of course, and it was actually the right time for me and everything. So I said, let's just meet for a coffee. And to make the story short, she had put her thesis on a book and it's now published book. It's in English and it's very interesting, actually. It's a lot of stories about immigration, about people from Iran who came here. And um, when she told me, she says, I just wanted to see you and to give you a copy of this book because what happened that we connected and what conversation we had and how we ended up even talking about my master's thesis, the information you shared with me completely changed my idea of what I wanted to do. And I ended up finally making it a book. And she says, I believe in things that happen in life. And my path 
me, um, you know, just getting to know you was the cause of all this that my book came up, uh, you know, out. And we we're just talking about that. And now that you were saying this, you know, there are things in life that happens, incidents that ends up with something as a result. And you question that, okay, that was the reason I can see why something happens out of blue that you end up doing things or accomplish something or, you know, is this, con- does this continue? I think Good we're at question. a time where uh, before our last break, probably needing to uh, wrap up with um, kind of last messages to uh, not last messages. That sounds morbid given hey. what we've been talking about. I know. Yeah. But a message, a message to give to listeners. Um I won't nominate who will go first. I will let you both choose. And well, I thought we were going to do a break first. Is it? Or are we like you mean stopping? We it? can do. We can do a short break and come back. Okay. Yeah. Short, yeah. But I don't say anything in Farsi, so we make it quick. <laughs> okay, we're back. Wait a minute. Where was the Farsi speaking stuff? I said maybe uh, we don't have Farsi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a joke there. Just a poorly placed joke. Let's, we can go, since I was directing this whole thing, why don't um, someone else go first there for what, just, we were talking about having a bucket list and also end of life, how it got sparked by end of life. And we don't usually think of, at least I don't, quickly making a bucket list if I've been diagnosed with a terminal illness, although I could see where that would be part of meaning making for someone's life or could be part of it. Anyway, side day, we could jump to you if you've got a, what you suggest. Sure. Um, I want to just say, you know, um, all of a sudden I thought of Dr. Yellum, um, who um, always talks about end of life. And he always says, there's no one living who doesn't ever think of end of life. Doesn't matter how old you are, even as young as you are, you sometimes think, you know, about end of life. And, um, you know, sometimes when you talk about this to some people, they go, oh, I've never talked about that or thought about that. Or in a way, it surprises me because it's just something that we experience seeing someone who dies young or on terminal uh, disease. Um, but in anyways, from the time we realize there is death after life, we think about it. We see ourselves um, not living. We see other uh, loved ones not being around. The thought comes to you. So I want to say this is something maybe as Dr. Yalom says, um, you know, take that as natural process of being, you know, you, uh, you, you sort of need to have that thought in your mind so that um, you know what you want to do. You know um you know, what are the bucket lists in some ways, you know? And uh, my advice or my recommendation to listeners uh, might sound a little cheesy, but I'd say rather than focusing on a bucket list, focus on a now list. What are some of those things that you can be doing now that you've been putting off thinking I'm going to do them later? I think too often in life, we wait till retirement or we wait till we reach this pivotal point that we can feel like we're achieved and accomplished everything. But you know what? Sometimes in between, there's space to do those things that we want to do. So I'd say think about what you can do now. Yeah, there are going to be some things later on maybe that you can do too. But um, I think if you start thinking about it now, 
you can ease into those other things. It just makes it a part of your life that you're striving to do those things that feel important and meaningful for you. Dan, what would you say to listeners? Earlier, I would ask listeners questions. <laughs> Every single listener yes, individually. I want to yes. See if I can put them on the spot. Well, earlier I talked about positive and negative emotions. And an interesting thing to think about is that sometimes, in fact, most often, it's those embarrassing moments or those awkward moments that we remember and later we'll tell stories about and laugh about sometime later. And with that in mind, I think that the most important things are our experiences and staying open to our experiences in life as we move forward. So whether it's positive emotion or negative emotion experiences, stay open to those. Because on my, that thought experiment that I did, it was the kind of thing where when we're transitioning on, that's when we will look back and we'll say, we realize that stuff really didn't matter. I mean, yes, it was embarrassing. Like I think of this time when I gave the presentation at MIT and, and told the joke and nobody laughed and I felt so humiliated, but it really didn't matter. At, from this vantage point, it doesn't matter. And it's something I can tell, talk about and laugh about. And I think all of the things that come in life will probably be that way when we reach the end. So as much as you can, open to the experience. That and with that... Sorry, Dave, would you like to give the final sign off here? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, as you were talking about this, it would be great if we start living that way. You know, like whatever we said, whatever we did, it's done deal. Don't go back and think about it. You know, it is what it is. Um, so can we live that way so that we don't go back? You know, I always hear about Rumi, whose poetry, when he wrote even his poetry, he never went back and edit those poetry because he said, that was me at the time. If I edit that, then that's not the true things that I wanted to say. At that point, this was my thinking and my emotion. So I always try to bring this to mind. Uh, it's not an easy thing, but it's a great practice to just let it go. You said something, somebody said something. If you think and you go over and over, you're wasting your moment. You know, again, come back to, you know, it's not that easy, but we can try practice being in the moment and enjoy it. Like you were experiencing that ride in the bicycle. All right. With that, we will wrap up. Thanks to all our listeners, and we will talk to you next week. پس از این زاری مکان عبسه یاری مکان تو این آکان دل دیوانه با غم به مزار
تو رفتم بی تو باز آمدم از سر کوی او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه چه بگویم با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم به خوابارا دل دیوانه با تو رفتم بی تو باز آمدم از سر کوی او دل دیوانه پنهان کردم در خاکستر غم آن همه آرزو دل دیوانه بگویم با من ای دل چه ها کردی تو مرا با عشق او آشنا کردی پس از این زاری مکن حوث یاری مکن تو ای ناکام دل دیوانه با غم دیرینم به مزار سینم به خوابارم دل دیوانه به خوابارم دل دیوانه رادیو بامداد صدای ما و شما با زبانی آشناست